Hello and welcome to another episode of the Eunice Ajim Show. I am your host. And today, um, I do want to chat about a subject that I get asked quite often, typically by Africans in the diaspora. And it's always, hey, Eunice, how do I get started investing in African tech startups? Is this even an interesting opportunity? And you would be surprised that um, it's crazy how a lot of the times it's us Africans in the diaspora that have the least amount of trust um, when it comes to investing back home. We send billions and billions of dollars every single year to our friends and family to be able to take care of themselves. But when opportunities come for investment, there's always a lot of, well, I don't, <laughs> right, of trust around like whether the money is being used properly or if it is the right investment for them. So I wanted to like break down um, a little bit of a background, right? Like first starting with how did I get started? Like pretty much step by step because I think a lot of the times we talk about investing, but very few times um, do we speak about like, what are some of the benefits? Um, how do you even get started? Like it's a lot of money. Like how do you save up that much money to be able to start investing? Um, and this is probably most for my Africans in the diaspora, but also for others in on the continent. Um, so let's start with the basics. And a lot of the times, as you guys have seen on this podcast, I speak a lot from my personal experience. Um, I just think it's best because I don't want to speak for, like, and my experience sometimes might be different from yours, but at least it gives you some context. And if you've heard my story, you know that just a few years ago, <laughs> I was homeless. I barely had any money, couldn't afford anything, couldn't pay bills, um, couldn't like even afford money to be able to eat. And when I launched my second company, things started turning around. So I, I started paying myself a salary. I was capable of like reinvesting a lot of my money into like other things. And I think for this particular case, I want this to be mostly for um, Africans in the diaspora, just like anybody in the diaspora, right, that maybe have a regular job and is trying to figure out how to save up money to be able to start investing. I think for me, um, I always had like the 30-70 rule, uh, which was all of my expenses uh, shouldn't be more than 30% of like my salary. Um, so let's say if you are making $10,000 a month, and I know that's a big number for a lot of people, you shouldn't have expenses more than $3,000 a month. So your rent, your feeding, um, and all of the likes needs to go, needs to be under that 30%. And I think sometimes a lot of us, when we make a lot of money, we start to like think about luxurious houses and luxurious cars and all of these crazy things. And all of those things are needed. They're great. But when you're sick trying to save up money to buy a house, because I truly believe that before you even start investing in African textile, like that was not the first thing that I started doing, right? Like I had to like do some basic things 
in my personal life before starting to invest heavily in the tech space. You always want to make sure that you have your basic, your basic needs, right? And at a very early stage, and again, this is not financial advice by any means. I'm really just sharing from my personal experience and then hoping that somebody can learn something from it. When you make enough money, I think I always should, like, even if you made like $3,000 or $5,000 a month, right? Always strive to like not have your bills, especially when you're in the saving, like when you're in the saving period where you're like, I need to save this much money to be able to get to this stage, to be able to do X, Y, Z. So 30%, um, all your expense and then 70% saving. And for you, it might not always start at like 30, 70. Maybe you'll start, you might even start with the, the, the reverse, right? Where like, as of right now, 70% will be your expenses and then 30% your saving. But I think every single month, you either have to be thinking about how do I reduce my expenses or how do I increase my income to get me to that 30, 70 or like 40, 40, 60. When you get to that stage, I personally don't think that going out and like investing in Africa, like let's say you save enough, um, there are a few things that I like to think like, if I was to start from scratch, I would say, I have my salary, I'm doing $10,000 a month, I'm saving $7,000, and I am um, spending $3,000 on all of my expenses. And those years are like very like, you have to be discreet, you can travel all the time, you can do X, Y, Z, you can have the fancy clothes, or all the crazy things that you want. But then when you get to that stage, um, I think it's like super important to think, okay, the first thing that I always tell everybody is like, I need to have six months of like um, my expenses saved up. So if you, and these are like basic financial advice that I'm, I'm giving. So most of you might know, some of you might not, but this is what we did, right? So we save at least six months of our expenses. So if our monthly expenses is, 3,000, you multiply that by six. That's the first thing that you want to do. Get that, put that in the bank. Um, actually, not just in a regular bank. You want to put it in a savings account um, that returns, that gives like really high interest rate. There's a name for it. I can't think of them right now. Um, but the ones that we have gives you an average like 4% interest. Um, but yeah, like three to four percent interest um, on your money per year. So like those are the best ways, I think, in my personal opinion, to put your emergency fund. That way, your money is still growing a little bit um, without worrying about okay, I need to like remove this money tomorrow. It's only in case of emergency, and you also want it to be like in some sort of like really like far away, <laughs> you know, bank account that you don't see every day because. If it's a bank account that you have easily have access to it, you open it every single day, you're going to use that money. So I think for us, we had to put in a very separate bank account that we don't even check often just because we know the money is there. We know it's growing a little bit, um, but it's not like money that we can easily take out. So you put it in that bank account and you have six months saved up. Um, so if you're... Monthly expense is 3,000, you multiply that by six, six times three, that's like what, 18? 
<laughs> yep, it's 18. Um, so 18K, um, I will run it up to like 20,000. And you know, okay, like I'm settled for at least six months. If something was to happen to me, my job was to like let go of me. Um, if your expenses are a little bit higher, so if your expenses like 5K or even 10K, you know, you have to like keep at least $60,000 in that bank account. When you have that set, I think a lot of people who have regular jobs, you guys do your 401Ks and all of those different things. Great. You have to do that. It's like the basic stuff that you want to do. I think another thing that people don't speak a lot about um, is just like life insurance. Like I, I think it's always a great study young, especially like if you have a family, you want to make sure that if something was to happen to you, that family is taken care of. So definitely look into your life insurance that is like another basic expense that you want to <laughs> you want to think about so like for us we have ios and then term life insurances so like get that set so i and then like if you're still renting again like there are so many different opinions again this is not financial advice i speak a lot on this podcast from my personal experience. So please don't come at me. <laughs> there are different opinions about whether people should buy or should rent their home. I personally, I'm a Bamleke from Cameroon. Like my dad, like we grew up knowing that like a man's or a woman's like pride is your home, right? So like we decided to buy. So when you have those basic needs, when you have your 401k, your life insurances, your six months savings, now you might want to start saving for your home, right? To be able to put a down payment on the home. Again, some people would rather not buy, they would rather rent, and that's totally fine. I am a big believer of buying at least your, uh, your home. And there are different reasons why people don't say that like buying is a bad investment. That's their wahala. It's not mine. <laughs> so I'm definitely for like buying at least your primary home. Um, so you have to start saving for that. Another thing that many people don't talk about in the US, um, again, like this is probably basic advice you guys have heard um, on social media, but in the US, Many, many misconceptions right like and i know that like this is like basic advice but i still feel like that people that are not aware of this because like even my sister like for the longest time she felt like she couldn't afford a home but then when we explained to her like how things work you know like within a year she had she was capable of getting a home for herself and like now things are great like she's actually doing more investments but there are ways that you can get a home um, with only like 3.5% down. So if you're thinking about getting, let's say, a $300,000 home, like when you start to think about it, like you're literally putting like less than $30,000 down, right? Like all your expenses would be less than $30,000 and you have a home that you can call yours, Um I would say rules of thumb to be able to like not to pay too much um, interest on that home. I always advise to pay a little bit more um, of your principal and just like pay a little bit more money than what the bank tells you to pay at the end of every month. That way you're putting a lot more money towards your principal and you don't have to pay the house over 30 years and pretty much pay double or triple the amount of money that 
you were initially like going to pay. Um, and if you can pay your house in 10, 15 years versus 30 years, you're paying the house way lower. And if you're in a really good neighborhood, the chance of that house doubling in value by the time you're selling or leaving the house or finishing your payment is still a great investment. So we have our basic savings. We have, and also like when you buy a house, like that comes with extra expenses. So you have to also like put maybe like add a little bit more money in your emergency funds, given that the expenses for putting it in a home is a lot more. So you have your emergency savings, you have your 401ks for retirement, you have your life insurances, you have your home. Maybe you want, now you're like, okay, I make better money, I'm going to get a nice car, right? You have that your one car. And I think when people get to this stage, right, where they have, the basic savings they have, you know, like the insurances, they have the home and they have a nice car. I think you get to a stage where like, okay, like what else? Like, at least that was my case. I was like, okay, like what's more? Like, we, you know what I mean? Like, what else can I do into this world? So like maybe grow more wealth. Um, and you can always go and get a better job. Like as human beings, we always want more. Like we're never satisfied with what we have sometimes we are um but i also think that's a trap <laughs> oh another person could say you know like always chasing for more is also a trap and that's perfectly fine different people have different personalities about this case i feel like this is one of those topics that i was so scared to speak about because i'm like ooh, i'm speaking money like people have different opinions i don't want to offend anybody but also like i'm speaking from a first person like i'm speaking from my experience but once you have that and you're still making pretty good money and what i mean by good money is like if you're doing over six figures in the us which is over a hundred thousand dollars you're typically making pretty good money what happens after that i think that you want to start thinking about all the different types of private investments that are out there and private uh, or investment just in general, right? And those investments, it's not always you take your money and you go and invest in somebody else. That investment could also be, I have had this idea for so long and God keeps telling me that I need to put this idea into the world and I want to execute. And then you take that business and you go and you execute. But starting a business is not for everybody, right? So Maybe that's not what you want. Maybe you enjoy having your job, but you want to make sure that your money is put to work. And at that point, you might want to go out and look for investment opportunities. And I like to think of investment opportunities in a couple of categories, right? We have the public market and then we have the private market. The public market is very simple. It's pretty much investing in anything that is available to the public, right? That would be your stocks, your bonds, S&P 500. If you make a lot of money, you might be able to get access to like hedge funds investments. And there are a lot of other public investments out there, but those are like the, the basic ones that are out there, <laughs> right? So it's pretty much investing in the public market, um, and the public market have different kinds. You, you could be like, okay, I want to invest in the S&P 500 or I want to invest in 
rates, right? Like I want to invest in X, Y, Z. Like that's totally up to you. And then we have the private market. And the private market involves a couple of things. We have real estate investment, which is part of the private market. We have startups slash venture capital investment. We have private equity investment. We have private credit investment. Um, and I'm pretty sure there's so many other, but those are like the few that I personally am interested in and that I've actually made investments in the space. Um, and I think there are a lot of opportunities um, when you're looking at those things, right? But the initial one is always like you want to have your basic needs because guess what? Investing is risky and the chances of you losing your money. And I mean, that happens and it's crazy because every time like I speak about investing in private market, like the startup ecosystem or venture capital, people are always, oh, that looks very risky. I know of so many people that lost so much money on like on the public market in the last few years, right? People that had, you know, like millions of dollars in the, in the public market and now their portfolio is almost nothing, right? But I also know the same thing on the, on the private market. The thing is with the private market, it's, like, it's actually one thing that people don't tell you about, especially for venture capital and just that asset class is one of the top performing asset class right now, period right? Like the return on investment, if done well over a long period of time, is one of the top performing asset class. Um, but it comes with a caveat. It's not accessible to everybody. Unlike the public market that is accessible to retail investors and pretty much anybody out there, a lot of the investments in the private market, depending on like how you're investing, is only accessible to accredited investors. I think I made a video about what accredited investor means, but in very short terms, an accredited investor is somebody that makes, as an individual, over $200,000 a year and have been doing that for the last couple of years and have the intention of doing that over the next couple of years. And if you are married, um, as a married couple, um, you together combine make over $300,000 a year and the same applies. Or you have a net worth of over a million outside of your primary residence. So if you think that your net worth is $1 million, but then like you've included the price of your house that you live in that you know, maybe it's currently valued at 500,000. You might want to remove that because then your net worth is only half a million. <laughs> so that is pretty much the definition of an accredited investor. So if you think you've made it to that stage of your life where you're like, I do qualify to be an accredited investor and you want to get started investing in the private market. And I'm not just saying the private market is the only way. In fact, I do the same thing. I have some of my money in the public market and I have a lot more of my money in the private market because that's what I'm excited about and that might be different for you. If, <clears throat> if you have interest getting started in the private market or investing um, as an angel investor, as a limited partner, I will always say just to be able to get a good understanding of like how things work, I always think that it might be interesting for you to maybe start 
with smaller checks. So like, let's say you want to start investing maybe $1,000 to $10,000 per company. Um, that is a good idea. But just understand that like when you invest, and I think that's what burns a lot of investors is that they go and they invest in one or two companies and those two companies fail. And they're like, I wash my money. <laughs> I am washing my hands. I cannot invest in the private market again. Well, that is on you because 99% of private businesses fail. And a lot of the times, like investing in businesses is a long-term investment. It's an illiquid investment versus the public market where you can do it for the short term and you can easily cash out your money if you want it. So when you invest in a business, you cannot just come back and be like, oh God, give me my money back. It doesn't work that way, especially if you're doing it the right way. You can't just come and ask your money back. So you really have to make sure that like when you're doing private investments, especially in businesses, you have to see the opportunity and you have to be able to understand, that, okay, this business is going to be around for the long run. They're going to be successful. I'm going to do my best to help them. Um, and I would say, don't go at it alone. Like, don't just find your cousin that started this business. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to take all my money and put it in them. Because I think they're awesome. Yeah, they might be awesome, but the chance of them also failing is very high. So I actually recommend you go and find either an angel group or an angel syndicate. Join those programs. Start looking at a lot of investments like just take a step back maybe like the first few months just look at all of the different investments that they offer see what you like look at the pitch decks try to understand the metrics like all the different things that comes into analyzing those businesses and then make your decision and um oh i'm getting sick <laughs> um but if you don't want to do that if you don't have that time I always recommend investing through a venture capital fund, which is pretty much what we do at Agent Capital. We take all the burden of you figuring out how do I get started investing in the tech space, especially in tech startups. And I have a very specific strategy, right? Like I only invest in African tech businesses. So if you're excited about the opportunity of investing in Africa, I am the way to go. But the caveat about investing in a venture capital fund is that um, the minimum requirement to be able to get access into this fund is typically a little bit higher than like doing angel investments. Um, for example, at us at Agent Capital, our typical minimum is a hundred thousand. Um, but we do have um opportunities for minorities, Africans, and women. So like definitely just reach out to me and we can have a conversation about that. But that is what I wanted us to discuss today. I just feel like I get so many questions um, a lot of the times about like, hey, you need to, you're always talking about investing. Like, how do I even get started? So I really just wanted to give you guys like what I did and like how I started um, investing, right? Like it wasn't just like I woke up one day and I decided, okay, you know what? I'm going to start investing in African businesses because I make so much money. It was really like a process of saying, this is where I want to get. I know I have to meet my basic needs. I know I want to like do X, Y, Z. And I know I want to be able to afford to also invest because that's my passion. I think there's so many opportunities um, in the African tech space right now. And I see that, you know, a lot of the companies that we've invested in, in the next seven to 10 years 
might become billion dollar businesses or might get acquired for a few hundred millions. And if I only have 1% of those companies, right? Like <laughs> that's still a good investment. So I hope you found this podcast useful. And until next time, I hope you'll have a blessed day and you are living your best version of the African dream. Thank you.